Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It is a sadly, somewhat surprisingly, silver linings edition of the HHC as the Hornets Fell on Halloween, one fifteen to one hundred eight to the visiting Sacramento Kings. Uh, a lot of things certainly sliding against the Hornets. They continue to face injuries, but they were home. They were facing a by the end of the game equally shorthanded Sacramento team and uh, still unable to come up with the victory. We'll break it down. Select our silver linings players for the game. Also going to talk about a recent edition of Power Rankings, which has me just about as mad as the result from last night's game. And we'll give a recap on the month of October or already into the second month of the season. Helping me on all these topics, he's my producer on the Hornets Radio Network as well as the producer of this fine podcast, Rob Longo. And Rob, a tough loss for the Hornets last night. 115 to 108. It was a game they were in control of at halftime, leading by 15. But in the third quarter, the Kings ended up being a plus 19 combination of extra shots due to Hornets turnovers and a significant offensive rebounding margin, not to mention all of the free throws they were able to collect helped flip the script and the Kings were able to weather the storm in the fourth quarter. After the game, head coach Steve Clifford on what lost it for the Hornets. Just a combination of, you know, the turnovers, many of which were unforced, and the fouling, which is, you know, it's just not going to win fouling like that. I mean, every drive we foul, you know, so every time you have a chance to either make a smart play and contest a short or slap down, we slap down. And, you know, I mean, you know, you just can't, you can't win like that. I mean, we probably gifted them 10 to 12 free throws tonight. 
the numbers speak for themselves. You know, sometimes you look at the free throw disparity and say, wow, that, that doesn't seem right. And, and there's a little bit of that because the Hornets were the more aggressive team getting into the paint. A hard time believing you can outscore a team by 20 in the paint and attempt 14 fewer free throws. But coach is not wrong. I mean, coach is absolutely right. The way that the Hornets are defending at times is allowing the opposition to make up the difference by getting to the line. Yeah, I mean, that third quarter was just kind of the thing that I thought was what got the Hornets out of sorts. When you take a look at the box score, and I didn't realize this until after the game, the Hornets only went to the line twice in the second half total. And it was P.J. Washington that went one for two. So, again, when you have these teams in the NBA, it's anybody can beat everybody, really, in the NBA. So, with that said, you can't let teams off the hook like that. Giving up turnovers, letting teams get to the free throw line because they will make you pay. And that's what happened to the Hornets last night. Kevin Herter went off for a great game. Davion Mitchell went off coming off the bench as well. The Hornets bench did not play as well as they've had in the past in terms of scoring output, where you only had one player in double figures coming off the bench. We haven't seen that really a whole lot this season, and they still almost somehow pulled out the victory, but again, it was kind of a tale of two halves. First half, Hornets looked great. They were taking advantage of turnovers. They had some turnovers of their own, but they weren't exactly snake-bitten by them quite yet, got caught up with them in the third quarter, and then from there, it just kind of unraveled a little bit, but all in all, definitely a frustrating loss for the Hornets, but of course, we still have some silver linings. We'll get to those in a minute, but you couldn't be more correct with the uh, tale of two halves. First half, here's some plus-minus numbers for you. Gordon Hayward, plus 18. P.J. Washington, plus 10. Mason Plumlee, plus 21. Kelly Oubre, plus 4. Dennis Smith Jr., plus 19. All of them scored 10 points or more in the first half. Second half, starters plus-minuses across the board. Minus 14, minus 18, minus 20, minus 25, minus 27. It was that lopsided, and, and it wasn't the Hornets not having their guys on the floor. Now, clearly, in Injuries influence results, and how healthy and how rested you are is going to have an impact on a night-to-night basis, and the Hornets continuing to play without Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball. You always have to keep that in the back of your mind. But this game was essentially tied when, in late in the second half, the Kings... Star player, Demonis Sabonis, fouled out. And their other star player didn't play the second half. That's De'Aaron Fox. They are a lot deeper than they have been in the past in terms of scoring power with guys like Kevin Herter. Davion Mitchell's coming off the bench. Harrison Barnes is a high-quality player. Keegan Murray is a rookie who's got a, a lot to be excited about. But all in all, this, this is a frustrating one. To me, probably the most frustrating loss of the season because the Hornets had control of it. And even despite that third quarter, were able to get back in front in the fourth quarter and still just could not quite get across the finish line. So, Hornets fall to 3-4 and four on the season. You're correct. It's time to pick Silver Linings players. You are the guest. You get to go first. I'll take the cop out. I'll go ahead and take the leading scorer from last night. That was P.J. Washington. Pull up from the elbow. No. Rebound Kelly Oubre. What defense from Buzz City. They've accomplished their quest to take the lead. Can they build on the edge? P.J. Trying to get around Harrison Barnes, get to the baseline, lay it is good for two. Timeout Sacramento. PJ just continues to really carry this team. Out of the first seven games, he scored in double figures in six of them. And the one was that loss in Orlando that was just not a very good game for anybody that evening. So PJ again with a game high 28 points yesterday, 12 of 21 from the field, very efficient from beyond the arc at three for four from three point land, five rebounds, three assists. He's just been kind of really shouldering the load. I mean, it's been by committee, of course, with guys like Gordon Hayward. Mason Plumlee was another guy that played really good yesterday. Heck, even Dennis Smith Jr. was almost on quadruple double watch yesterday because he had six steals as well. But at the end of the day, without P.J. Washington, they're not in that game last night in the second half. 
So he's got to be my silver lining. And it's just almost like a body language thing when you look at PJ because he just looks so much more confident sometimes. When he sees one fall, you better watch out because it just ends up being a waterfall. And that's what's happened the last couple of games between last night against Sacramento and then Saturday's game against Golden State as well. Yeah, the thing I like so much about the way PJ is playing, he's a very, very gifted offensive player. He can knock down the three at a very high clip. He can run past centers, players that are bigger than him, and he can jump over players who are smaller than him and, and dominate him with his size. But what I like, you know, he he's always been a good teammate, keeps the ball moving, an unselfish player. But in a good way, I think he's being a little bit more selfish right now, or at least his teammates are leaning on him and his coaches are leaning on him a little bit more. You look at his shot volume in the first five games of the season, 8, 9, 12, 13, 40. Last two games, 20 or more shots in both contests. And they're not all threes. Uh, He's not getting to the line nearly as much as I think he should be, but he's someone that they're playing through and allowing to to, get in the flow offensively. And so I really like it. I I think he's been very productive. Productive. You know, hopefully it's something that continues even as they get some of their pieces back. And one more quick thing on PJ, he's added a little bit more to his arsenal too. He's been working on that step back. He's been working on that mid range in the offseason. And I think that's really helped him a lot because he's not, he was never a one trick pony to begin with. Certainly not, but just adding to that bag, adding to that arsenal certainly helps him. My silver lining selection, you know, I, I think all the starters, certainly in the first half, were all really strong. The one guy who did seem to carry it over a little bit better to the second half was Jalen McDaniels. To Plumley, one on one with the rookie Murray. Spins through the double team. Kick to the corner. McDaniels open. Look for three. Yes, sir. Rip the net cord. Jalen McDaniels ties it with a triple. That big three, you know, really kind of the icing on top. But even he had his struggles in the second half. I went over all those plus minuses for the starters. Jalen in 15 minutes in the second half, roughly, uh, he was a minus 10. And so that's not great either. And it's not all offensive or defensive. It's the collective, how it all looks coming together, which is what you need. It doesn't help you if you're great offensively and you give up everything on the other side or vice versa. So, But Jalen McDaniels, big, big shot, continues to shoot it really well. Three for four from three for a guy who was already going into the night, top five in the NBA in three-point percentage. He's got it back around 60% from beyond the arc now overall in the season. Just a great, great, great performance. But he also talked about some of the deficiencies for the team in that second half. Um, We definitely let up in the third quarter. Um, They had 37 points third quarter. We played no defense, I feel like. Uh, We only scored 18, so we just got to be better than that, Uh, especially in the third quarter. We could have closed them out, you know? We was up 15 or Whatever the case may be, we could have pushed it up more, I feel like. We just got to lock in. So there's the the final closing thoughts from Jalen McDaniels. We got two other topics, so we're going to try and put a a bow on uh, this game here. But I'll go back to it, Rob. I think that this is the most frustrating one for the Hornets thus far. You know, there's nights where you just don't play very well, and we've seen the Hornets have that issue against Orlando. New Orleans, you know, they won that game. Their dominance on the interior helped them. The Knicks game was a toss-up. It went to overtime, and the Hornets, you know, just made one fewer player. The Knicks made one more play. That, That stuff happens in the NBA. This is one that the Hornets had control over and let slip away. And yes, the Kings made a lot of shots, but the volume of extra shots they got due to turnovers, due to fouling, that's what turned the tide. 
certainly the free throws did as well. But yeah, I would certainly say that this one is really probably the worst loss of the season so far for the Hornets just because it was there. I mean, you take a look at the first half, you're up double digits, you should close the team out, especially, you know, obviously no lead is safe in this day and age in the NBA, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't make it any better when you are up double digits and then you somehow lose. And of course, you know, you can point to the injuries and say, you know, with LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Cody Martin, this is a completely different game. And it certainly is. But again, like we mentioned, no De'Aaron Fox in the second half. He only ended up playing nine total minutes. Demontis Sabonis fouls out with, you know, two and a half minutes left in crunch time when the game is on the line. So yeah, you can count it up to so many different things, but at the end of the day, you throw the players out there, you have to play with what you got, and that's what happened to the Hornets last night. Hornets fall to 3-4, and four, their first loss to Sacramento at Spectrum Center since January 28, 2017. A five-season streak has come to a close. Coming up next, we're going to talk some power rankings. As uh, upsetting as the result was last night, I might be more upset about these power rankings. We're going to talk about them next here on the Hornets Hivecast. I get allergy care from the doctors at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates who know how to treat me, not just my symptoms. Now that my allergies are under control, I can ride my bike whenever I want, just like I did as a kid. Senta offers allergy testing and a wide range of treatment in North and South Carolina. Play like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. The Hornet Typecast brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. One of our favorite topics here on the podcast, because it's just podcast fodder, is power rankings. A couple different publications put them out on a weekly basis. Who's up, who's down, and uh, where are the Hornets in the hierarchy of the 30 teams in the association? Today, Rob Longo, you have the honors of dissecting some power rankings with me, and there's some fresh off the presses from Halloween night. These are from NBA.com. I've told you, I've instructed you not to sneak a peek. Hopefully you adhered to my request. I'm going to ask you, in the top 30, where do you think Charlotte sits? Well, I did look at the athletics, and that was before we even said this was going to be podcast fodder, but I should have known better, I guess, at this point. But in the athletic, I know the Hornets moved up to 19th. So as that is a litmus, I'm going to say Charlotte Well, I think Charlotte should be higher than that. I'm going to say the Hornets are 17th in the NBA power rankings. Now, keep in mind, this is before the loss to the Kings. This was published. NBA.com has the Hornets at number 23. No way. No way. 23. I am dumbfounded. Who wrote this? Flabbergasted. It it makes no sense to me. And and look, we understand. We're looking at the world through purple and teal colored (sighs) glasses, and it is what it is. But for Charlotte, and one of the reasons why this is so dumbfounding is because when I read the write-up, there's a write-up about every team, and I encourage you to check it out at NBA.com because, you know, it's, it's great clickbait, and hey, it worked. But they take certain metrics for every team, offensive rating, defensive rating, net rating, pace. The Hornets are top 13 in all of them. All of them. And the article freely admits that the team has already shown drastic improvement in terms of performance on night two of back-to-backs from last season to this season. It also talked about how the Hornets have done all this without the benefit of their all-star LaMelo Ball or Terry Rozier for basically, well, Rozier the majority of the season, LaMelo any of the season, no Cody Martin as well. He wasn't mentioned, but hey, that's to be factored in as well. And all that said, they've got him at number 23. Oh my God. It's a good thing we're not recording this podcast video-wise 
Because people would be like, what is that stupid look on his face? Because, oh my, I, I, I'm at a loss for words. And you know you know me, Sam. That's really tough for, to make me speechless. Like, You're going to have to find some because I, I, oh I'm going to give God. you the three teams directly ahead of the Hornets. And uh, again, you had them, what, 17? I had them at 17. Real okay. quick, real yes. quick. Where was Golden State on this list? Where was Golden State on this? Higher. Well, obviously they're going to be higher, but in theory, when this came out, the Hornets beat Golden State and they had identical records. I'm just saying. I'm not uh, saying. Actually, I'm Golden just State's saying. record was worse. It were three yeah, and four three at and the four, time. Three and three. That's right. Uh, they're number nine. Oh my god! And not to say that the Hornets should be ahead of the defending no, world champs, but, but oh my goodness, Golden State number nine, Hornets are number twenty-three. So you know the rules. I'm going to give you the three teams directly ahead of the Hornets. I you will don't... try not to laugh okay. when you say this. All right, number twenty-two, Indiana Pacers. <laughs> okay, I, I lied. I nice lied. try. I lied. Just for reference, Hornets defensive rating so far this season is eleven. Pacers is twenty-seven. Hornets net rating oh. is ten. Pacers is nineteen. Just a couple numbers for you. The Oklahoma City Thunder. No, you're kidding. Are at number twenty one. They've actually had a decent start to the oh season, being three and three. Surprising, maybe the better way to put it. But number twenty, Washington Wizards. It's November first, not April first. I'm just pointing that out. Got to give me one that you think the Hornets should be ahead of. They should be ahead of all of them. <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest, they should be ahead of all. You got me fired up, Sam. This isn't good. You can see why oh I was goodness. upset. I um, mean, ugh. Look, again, we view the world through purple and teal colored glasses. But still. This seems really this out of character. This it, is egregious. And, and again, you know, you want to focus in on a couple of things. Because we're very early in the season. So many things are outliers, such as health. The Hornets haven't had a catastrophic injury. No one's out for the season. But they haven't had LaMelo Ball at all. He is their all-star. He is their best player. They haven't had Terry Rozier for the majority of time. Cody Martin for all but a minute of time. These are significant pieces the Hornets are missing. And still, when this publication came out, they were 500. They were top half of the NBA in offensive rating, defensive rating, and net rating, which they were top 10, I might add. And yet still, this is the disrespect that the Hornets felt. Of course, they followed that up with the loss of the Kings. But you said all of them. Can you be more specific? I'll make you give me one of them. Wizards, Thunder, Pacers, which one and why should the Hornets be ahead? I mean, I haven't seen what the Thunder have. I mean, I know the Thunder have won a couple of games this year. I haven't paid attention a whole lot on their schedule. I mean, I guess I'll go with Indiana if I had to pick one because the Pacers, like, you know, what's the grounds for this? Is it because the Hornets lost to the Pacers in preseason when the games don't matter? Like, I just don't get this because, I mean, in all honesty, outside of Benedict Matherin, who I think is going to be a top three finisher in the rookie of the year voting, the way he's been playing. What else has Indiana really accomplished? I know they have a handful of wins on the on the year. They're three and five, but my goodness, to have the Hornets has start with anything with a with a two just kind of blows my mind a little bit. I am shocked as well, but hey, that's that's why these make for hopefully entertaining podcast topics. So there you have it. Hornets in at number 23. Where do you think the Hornets should be in the power rankings? Hopefully higher than that. Feel free to send us message via social media, however you like, and uh, hey, keep clicking on uh, NBA.com, even though I think they're way off base here on uh, these power rankings. You know, it, it is what it is. Hopefully it just gives room for the Hornets to climb as they get healthier and get more advantageous schedule alignment later on, seeing as the Hornets are going back on the road now and have uh, played more road games than any team in the NBA save the Orlando Magic. Coming up next, we are going to look back at the entirety of the month of October. A lot came that was unexpected. How do we feel about this squad now that we know that they are 3-4 and four at the end of the month? We'll break it down for you next here on the Hornets Hivecast. 
Hornets fans, make sure you download the Hornets app this season for an enhanced game day experience. The Hornets app is your home for the game day digital program with all the information on your favorite team and giveaways every game day. You'll also find predictive games, mobile food ordering, and even a wallet for your NFTs. Download the Hornets app today. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets wrapped up the month of October with a loss at home to the Sacramento Kings, 115-108. to Again, the Hornets led at halftime by 15. They let slip away, and they conclude the month of October with a record of 3-4. and four. So, Rob, it's time to look back here at the month. First off, overall storyline. I think, for me, it has to be the injuries. Because, you know, when we look at the start of the season, and you look at matchups, and you look at rest, and you look at home court advantage and all these things the one thing you can never factor in I guess two things one is you know how well are you playing are you in rhythm because there there is a rhythm to the season and you'll guys have guys on highs or lows at different times so you, you don't really know where those are going to land the other thing you can't tell is injuries and, and the Hornets have been hit with a lot of injury issues and it's some really tough places to make up the gap you got your all-star in LaMelo Ball who's the engine of your offense you've got Terry Rozier your starting shooting guard who has been a 20-point-per-game guy since arriving in the Queen City. And you have Cody Martin, maybe your top defender on the team, and one of your elite players coming off the bench. That's a lot to make up for. And for the record, I think the Hornets have filled in really, really well. Dennis Smith Jr. has been spectacular all season long at the starting point guard spot. I think we've seen some really strong contributions from Kelly Oubre. Offensively, he continues to just fill it up. Uh, 16 more points last night right on his average for the season. That's the kind of production that you want to see from a starting two-guard in the NBA. And off the bench, we've seen some guys really step up. Jalen McDaniels has been strong. Teo Maladon. think James Booknight's put together some really good scoring nights. So it's not as if the Hornets have not made up the gap, but that's a lot of firepower to try and make up for. After the game yesterday, head coach Steve Clifford talked about the timetable on the injured players moving into the new month now that we're in November. I mean, they're closer. They're, they're, they're able to do stuff on the court now but obviously um what we don't want to do is you know something where they come back you know prematurely and then it's you know worse the next time so no question about that it's tough enough being out with that kind of star power for seven games uh but there's a 70 plus still to come and you want those guys ready to go and best able to contribute for as many as possible but in terms of the overall storyline for october why are the hornets three and four and not something better it's the injuries to me yeah of course i mean i think we all kind of had this month of the season whenever we were doing our preview podcast and everything. We had them around 500, I think, just because of the quality of teams they were playing. I had the Hornets at 4-3 and three through the first seven games. They finished at 3-4. and four, So, I mean, it's kind of a flip of a coin. And when you take a look at the results, it really was. I mean, the New York game going to overtime. You have the Pelicans game that was very tight back and forth. And I think the Pelicans are going to be one of those teams that can contend. Like I said the other day, they're going to be one of those guys that can contend for a top six spot in the Western Conference. Orlando loss, it is what it is. You're going to have bad shooting nights, and that's kind of what happened there. Just nothing went right in Orlando for the Hornets. And then the Golden State one was one that I think a lot of people had as a schedule loss when we looked at the season, and certainly so, second night of a back-to-back going against the defending NBA champions, and they were able to pull it out in overtime. And then, you know, the Kings lost last night, certainly 
frustrating, disappointing, whatever kind of adjective you want to use. But at the same time, who knows where this team would be with a healthy LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, and Cody Martin. And again, you can't kind of deal in what-ifs. You can't have those hypotheticals. You just have to play with who you have available. But again, when you go back to storylines, it's the injuries, and that's the negative. But the positive has been the play of P.J. Washington. Mason Plumley has looked good, especially last night. And then, of course, how can we forget about Dennis Smith Jr.? Because he has just been a renaissance man here through these first seven games, what he's been able to accomplish. And I know that people are going to get bumped out of the rotation when this team is fully healthy. But Dennis Smith Jr. is one of those guys that is going to make you say, I have to get this guy on the floor. I have to find him minutes just because of the way he's played through the first seven games of the season. Yeah, that is the other big storyline, I think, is how much deeper this team is than we thought that they might be or or certainly than we knew that they would be because Dennis Smith Jr. is not a shock to me that he's a rotation-level player. I mean, he's a lottery pick, and he is a really, really strong defensive player who's putting it together right now offensively as well. I just love everything about what he's contributing right now on both sides of the ball, but it's not a shock that he's able to crack an NBA rotation. That That's kind of a, a from someone of his talent and skill level. But some of the younger guys, Tail Maladon here on a two-way contract, James Booknight making his way into the rotation, and he was one of the stronger performers from last night's loss to Sacramento. Six points. He was a plus 12 in the plus-minus at the conclusion of the game. So I think just how deep this team has proven to be is really one of the big storylines. Coming in, I think we thought, all right, seven or eight deep. Certainly, you know, you know Cody Martin and Jalen McDaniels and Dennis Smith Jr. can contribute from the bench, but will Nick Richards actually take that next step? Will James Booknight be ready? The answers to those now are yes. So this team probably is not going to run 12 deep in most games when they are healthy, but which eight is something that Coach Clifford and the staff are going to have to figure out. And in some cases, they're going to be able to put together different looks and different lineups and keep everyone fresh and keep the opposition off their toes on how the Hornets want to play and really dictate action. All that said, you know, when I looked at the month, and again, you when we look at it, we assume everyone's healthy and we, we assume everyone's playing roughly the same level of basketball as the opponent, not too hot, not too cold. I thought there was room in this schedule for the team to be 5-2, and two, but I go back to our first overwhelming thought from the month of October, the injuries. And I would love to see them run it back again with a fully healthy squad. Unfortunately, we don't get that luxury. All that said, we come to the close of October. Hornets are three and four. You look at the rest of the NBA, how they're all faring. Really, let's just stick to the Eastern Conference, quite frankly. But you look at the rest of the Eastern Conference, and while the Hornets are probably a little bit unlucky to be three and four, there's some teams below them that most experts did not see there. Brooklyn, two and five to start the year. Miami, two and five to start the year. Both those teams net minus in the plus minus differential. The Hornets are a net positive in the plus minus. Charlotte without the engine of their offense and on many nights, their best scorer in Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball still top four in the Eastern Conference in points per game at 117 a night. They don't have their all-star, their point guard. So I think there's so much more to be positive about this stretch. And while coming into it, I thought the space in the schedule, some of the quality of competition gave Charlotte a good chance to have an above 500 record at least. I'm okay with three and four considering all that was absent and all that was shown on the floor by the rest of the troops filling in admirably for those guys who were unavailable to play. I mean, if I had the Hornets at four and three before the season even started, before injuries even happened, and they go three and four, I have to be happy with that. And then if you would have told me before the season started that the Hornets would beat Golden State on the second night of a back-to-back and they would take out Atlanta 
on the road the third game of the season, and they all did that without Cody Martin, Terry Rozier, and LaMelo Ball, I would have said you were crazy. So, I mean, when you put things into perspective, when you zoom out and take the 30,000-foot view, obviously 5-2 and two would have been nice. It was definitely viable. It was definitely there. But 3-4, and four, and you're still ahead of teams like Brooklyn and Miami, and obviously those guys are probably going to figure it out at some point. But at the end of the day, if you're only one game below 500 going into November, I don't think you can complain too much. I agree with you, Rob. I agree with you. So as uh, as frustrating as the loss last night was, as enraging as the power rankings were from NBA.com, we found something to be happy about here to wrap up this podcast. Uh, our first one of the month of November. Uh, maybe we'll look ahead a little bit tomorrow for the next edition of the HHC at the month of November. I'll give you some predictions there. I will have a special guest in WBTV executive sports producer Nate Wimberly rejoining the Hornets Hivecast. We'll talk to him. We will preview the matchup against the Chicago Bulls as the Hornets head back out on the road. Maybe we'll find some more power rankings to be upset about as well. For now, Rob Longo, thanks as always for joining me here on this edition of the HHC. Sam, you didn't bring me any candy, and you still got me all riled up over these power rankings. We're just going to leave it at that. We we ended on something happy. We we ended on the, uh, the Reese's. Up. We ended on the Reese's peanut butter cups of topics of the <laughs> Hornets having a positive outlook on the month of October, considering all the injuries. The level of play has been really high. When the Hornets get healthy. And especially when they get some home court advantage back, watch out because this team, I think, is ready to make some moves. Hornets three and four. We will preview tomorrow's game for you tomorrow uh, with Nate Wimberly again of WBTV. That's tomorrow's edition of the HHC. For now, for Rob Longo, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hotcast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.